There are 17 online business marketing mistakes I have seen way too many people make. Let me share exactly what they are in this video. Welcome to The Health Burner Show. My name is Uriel Kim. If you're a health practitioner or coach looking to build a successful virtual health practice that allows you to help more people, make a lot more money, and enjoy a greater quality of life in the process, then this is the podcast for you to listen to. Let's dive in. Hey guys, what's going on? Uriel Kim here, CEO and founder of Healthpreneur, and we help health professionals and coaches get clients online without the grind. And I I've been in business online since 2005 and I've built and sold uh, my previous seven-figure company and obviously with Healthpreneur we've done uh, pretty well over the past seven years. We've helped thousands of entrepreneurs grow their businesses online and I want to share from the trenches 17 big mistakes that I want you to avoid and if you're making any of these that's fine like I made more than these I want to share exactly what they are so you can avoid them you don't waste money you don't waste time you don't have the frustration like I did and then you can just get the results you want a lot faster, okay? So without any further ado, let's dive right in. So number one mistake to avoid is wasting money on a website. Most people are never gonna see your website in the first place. There are 130 trillion pages on Google. What's the likelihood that your website's gonna get found? Close to zero, okay? Unless you're spending a tremendous amount of time and effort on SEO, building a pretty website and spending thousands of dollars on it is a complete waste of time and money. Don't do it, at least not at the early stages of your business, maybe down the road. Okay, number two, the second mistake is having no business model or choosing the wrong one, okay? So essentially a business model is the flywheel as some people call it or how you get leads, how you convert them into clients or customers, how you deliver results to them on the back end. If you can't draw that out on a napkin or on a piece of paper, then you don't have a business model. If you've watched any of my previous videos, I walk you through our perfect client pipeline. That's the business model upon which our business is built. I can draw it out, I can map it out. If you can't do that, that's fine, but just understand that you don't really have a business that you can control over and scale because you don't even know what the levers are to move things through. So number one, if you don't know what your business model is, do some thinking about identifying it. How do I get leads? How do they turn into clients, etc.? Or maybe you've chosen the wrong one. There's a very big difference between selling low ticket information and high ticket coaching. Those are two fundamentally different vehicles that will lead to two very different outcomes and two very different processes for how you run things. So you have to understand which business model makes the most sense for you. And just because someone else is doing something doesn't mean you have to do what they're doing. So the business model is a very, very important decision. Choosing the wrong one or not having one is a big mistake you want to avoid. Number three, for coaches, health professionals alike, trying to help everyone. Don't do it. It's a big mistake. Number one, your messaging becomes diluted. When your messaging is diluted, no one pays attention to you because they don't think what you're talking about is relevant to them. Therefore, your lead generation, your client acquisition goes to the roof or there's, it's non-existent. And second, on delivery, especially for coaching, if you try to help everyone, you can't scale delivery because now everyone's a special snowflake. Everyone needs their own different path and that's impossible, okay? And the third thing here is no one wants to work with a generalist. Everyone wants a specialist. Just think about it in your own life. If you have a cavity, do you go to the general practitioner? No, you go to the dentist. If you have a leak in your roof? Do you go to the general contractor or the roofer, right? So think about how do I specialize? Because if you generalize, that's what I call the death zone, okay? Mistake number four is undercharging. I made this mistake for a very, very long, a uh, very long time, even before I started my business online in 2005. But even when I started online in 2005, I was selling stuff on the cheap, you know, $27 ebooks, 67 bucks. And pricing, I want you to understand, is 100% between your ears. There is no pricing police. There's no one that says you have to charge this amount of money. Do not compare what other people are charging to what you want to charge. All that matters is how good you are producing results for your clients, what type of experience you want to create for them. Because remember, there are many different types of hotels in the world and they have very different price points. Four seasons, 700 bucks plus a night, Motel 8, 80 bucks a night, right? They're both hotels. They both have rooms you can sleep in. What's the difference? A choice. A choice of the type of experience the Four Seasons wanted to create for their customers versus those that go to Motel 8 or Motel 6 or whatever it's called, okay? 
undercharging is not a great business model unless you have the capabilities of operational capacity like a Walmart or Costco, okay? When you're trying to be the cheapest in the world, it's a race to the bottom. It's a lot easier, especially if you're a coach, to build a business based on premium prices. You have way more margin. You can deliver better results, better experience for your clients, and you'll attract better quality clients to you, okay? Fifth mistake is selling garbage. Do not put shit out into the marketplace. Do your best to create something epic. Because in the long run, the best product or a great product is the ultimate form of marketing because your reputation builds over time and it goes in one of two directions. It's like amazing or not so amazing. And this is like a snowball effect that takes a long time to kind of do its thing. You're not gonna get a huge amount of word of mouth and referrals in your first couple months. But if you've been in business like I have for 17 plus years, you will get people coming to you and be like, hey man, I followed your stuff 10 years ago and I've just been watching everything, I'm ready to go, okay? This is what happens when you've been around a long time, but also most importantly is that you put great stuff out there. I've been online since 2005 and every single thing I've put out, whether it's an ebook, a follow along workout or our high ticket coaching programs, never once did I compromise on the quality. Now it also doesn't mean, I'm also not saying that I procrastinated and how to get everything perfect, but anything you put out there, just do your best to put something really, really good into the marketplace. Because it, listen, if you're getting people to pay you, like how do you sleep at night if you're putting garbage in front of them, right? For you, I don't think that's an issue, but there's a lot of people out there that are doing some shady stuff don't be one of them. Okay, number six, which kind of follows from this is waiting for everything to be perfect. The reality is, especially when it comes to your offer and even your product, you're not gonna know exactly what the best way of making things work is gonna be until you get data from the marketplace. So you don't know, like the version 1.0 of your product or program is good enough. It should be good enough, right? But version 2.0, 3.0, 5.0, 10.0 are gonna be infinitely better, but you might not even be able to know what that is or what that looks like yet because you have no feedback from the marketplace. So when you start enrolling customers or clients, they're gonna tell you what they like, what they don't like, why they're refunding, why they're leaving, or why they're staying. And all of these things are gonna help you make the thing better, right? So that's super, super important. You're never gonna have that know-how unless uh, you put it to market. Like when we first started our HBA program, it was a two-day live workshop six years ago. It's a very different experience and a very different program now that's been iterated and improved over time because we've worked with thousands of clients. On the marketing front, if you think you're gonna have everything perfect before you launch, it's never gonna happen because marketing is like Mike Tyson once said, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face or punched in the mouth. And that's exactly what's gonna happen with your offer is you think it's gonna do great and then it does nothing. And you're like, what the hell do I do now? And if you don't know what to do, you should probably hire a mentor who's been there and done that, who can show you how to fix things. But nonetheless, you're not gonna know what's working and what isn't until you put it into the market and ideally are getting some data so that you can course correct, okay? Number seven, uh, following suit here is ignoring important metrics. And actually worse than that is not even knowing what the important metrics are in your business. So this goes back to your business model. If you do not have a clearly defined business model, it's also kind of challenging to identify what the right metrics are. With a coaching business model, at least the way we teach it with a perfect client pipeline, it's very simple. Like if I were to offer you a call, like a, a consultative call, and I said, can you please show up on this call with your critical numbers? You might be like, what, what, what the hell are you talking about? And I might say, well, listen, I need to see your ad spend, your cost per click, your cost per lead, your lead to call book ratio, your cost per call booked, your show up rate, and your close rate. You might say, I don't even have those numbers. And that's the problem. Right now, whether you're running a coaching business or not, you have to understand what the important metrics are because you need to run your business by the numbers. The numbers are like the dashboard of an airplane or a car. If you don't know how fast you're going, you're just guessing, right? And this is unfortunately how I would say 90% of businesses that we speak with are running their businesses. How do you get clients? Uh, 
you know, I don't know. I get some word of mouth. People follow, follow me on social media. I do some dancing videos. I get some DMs. That's not a business. That's a hobby. Let's just call it what it is, okay? Identify what the important metrics are so you understand that if these move up or down, things are going to move in your business, right? It's really simple. If you run a coaching business, the number one most important leading indicator, which means a metric on the front end that will predict the success on the back end, is the number of calls booked. If you have more calls booked, you will grow a bigger business. How do you get more calls? Well, again, if you don't have a business model that clearly defines how to do that, you're just kind of guessing, right? Number eight, financial illiteracy. And so we talked about metrics. Now I want to talk specifically about how to run your business like an actual CEO and understanding the economics of your business plan. So do you know what your gross profit needs to be? Do you even know what gross profit is, right? How much of your monthly revenue are you willing and able to spend in the form of advertising or marketing? How much profit do you want to take out of the business as a business owner? There's just basic economics. And unfortunately, I didn't know any of this stuff like for the first number of years of my business. And I got, it got me into some really hot water of, of, you know, like not really understanding where the business was, overpaying in taxes, all sorts of nonsense. I don't want you to make that same mistake. And we've got a great program called Money Code that can alleviate a lot of these frustrations we'll put a link for the description below to help you become more financially literate with your business so you can actually run your business like a financially savvy CEO without having to become an accountant. But if you don't know the financials of your business, that's some pretty murky, dangerous water to play in. So please don't make that mistake. Number nine is thinking that you need outside funding. When I started my first business, I didn't know what I was doing. I thought I needed to do a lot of PR. So I was working with a publicist and she was gonna charge $20,000. I didn't have $20,000. So I said, okay, I need to find an outside investor to loan me the money. So a friend of mine introduced me to a friend of his who was an investor, we had a conversation and he wanted, uh, I think it was in the neighborhood of 25% of my business at the time as I was just starting out for a $20,000 loan or investment. Thank God I did not do that because if I had, it would have been the worst decision of all time. It's very, very dangerous to get outside investment when you are very, very small because you're gonna give away a huge portion of your company unnecessarily. And then you're a slave to you know making that all work. There's a huge amount of benefit to bootstrapping. I have not sought out, other than that one example, which I obviously didn't pursue, no outside investment, nothing. I have bootstrapped both of my companies from the ground up and obviously I've used credit cards, right? I'm, you shouldn't use credit cards to invest in your business because if you run a profitable business, the business pays off those expenses. That's, there's not a problem with that. But what I'm saying is it's very, very good to put yourself in positions where you have constraints to say like, I don't have money. How do I figure this out? My cost per acquisition is too high. What can I do to start to liquidate some of that ad cost or whatever it might be? It's very, very good to create innovation from sometimes a place of desperation. And if you have a boatload of cash, you become a lot less creative. So I am not a fan in the slightest of raising money. And I'm not talking like, listen, we're not talking about SaaS companies here, right? Like companies, et cetera. That's a different animal. I'm talking about for the average coach, consultants, you know, online business, you do not need outside funding in 99% of the cases. 10 is worrying about scale before you make your first sale. This goes back to this idea of perfectionism. Let's just see the example of an airline, okay? Because I love flying. Don't worry about building the friggin' fleet of airplanes. Just have the first airplane, okay? You don't have any passengers yet? That's fine, just build a basic plane, do what you gotta do on the marketing front, fill the plane, fly people to the destination. Don't worry about having all the 747s and the A380s and building your fleet before you even have a couple passengers. So in the context of a coaching business, just get the first sale, right? Just like do what you gotta do to get those clients coming in, paying you money, worry about the scale as you grow, right? Don't allow like, I gotta get everything perfect and I have to have this perfectly set up so I can accommodate a hundred clients before you even have one client. Number 11, 
is over-reliance on slow organic marketing. You guys have heard me talk about this before. I'm a huge fan of content. Obviously I shoot these videos for a reason, right? My whole first business was built on slow organic marketing. It's kind of like slow cooker. It tastes great, but it takes forever. Seven years to make my first million, okay? So it's gonna take a very long time to see any traction and probably even worse now than back in the day with what you're doing online. Social platforms don't show anything to anyone. You're not gonna be a found in Google. 130 trillion pages of content. You know, you're posting once a week, forget about it, right? Like our blog back in the day, 1.4 million visitors per month. We're posting three to five articles per day. There were five to 10,000 words each. We were spending $35,000 on SEO and editorial. It was crazy. Okay, don't play that game. It's ridiculous. If you wanna play that game, just understand there's, you know, pros and cons. Organic is awesome. It's great to do when you don't need to rely on it. So the reason that I do what I do from a content perspective is I don't need any of this to generate any business for our company. And it, it doesn't do a huge amount of it to this current time. Now, yeah, we obviously have clients who watch our videos and they listen to all of our stuff and it helps. But even if we blew up our YouTube channel, our Instagram account, podcast, et cetera, it would have very, very little impact on our business. And that's because we have a system, a business model that relies beautifully on predictable traffic that we acquire through ads, as I've talked about before. And the slow organic grind, you have to understand this. And this is one of the biggest mindset shifts you have to make if you wanna succeed online, is that time is expensive, and money is cheap. But most people who are running their businesses online think of, the, you know, oh, I'm just gonna post all day on social media. You are trading your time, which is something you can never get back. You can always make your money back, always. But you spending an, a year posting on Instagram with zero progress, that is one year flushed on the toilet that you can never recoup, okay? So always, always remember that. There's always an opportunity cost to spending a lot of time doing stuff. Number 12, the 12th mistake here is not becoming a dangerously good copywriter. Copywriting is the number one skill that you can develop online. Essentially what copywriting is, is salesmanship in print. It's your ability to type words and move people to action. The headline of a video, the subject line of an email, the email copy, the captions on your social posts, everything you type into the world is copywriting. And if you're not a good copywriter and understanding even what that is, you are at a major disadvantage because your goal is to make money. How you make money is help people. How do you help people? You get them to pay you money. How do you get them to pay you money? You influence them. How do you influence them? Through words, story, messaging, marketing, etc. If you don't know how that whole thing works, it's gonna be very, very hard to get your business going where you want it to go. Learn copywriting, study it, build the skill. It's one of the most important skills we help our clients develop. And by the way, they're all health professionals. They're doctors, they're naturopaths, they're not professional copywriters, but you have to become dangerously good because eventually you have other people on your team who'll take some of that off your plate. You have to be able to identify what is good and what isn't, okay? It's really, really important. Number 13 is not understanding how to craft an offer that people actually wanna buy. This is, again, I would say this and copywriting or, or the lack, of, lack thereof are two of the biggest mistakes why people online do not do well. Their messaging sucks, which is copywriting, and their offer sucks and or their offer sucks. You are putting stuff in front of people that fundamentally don't care about buying what it is you're offering. And then you're like, well, like I just need to do some more posting and, and build trust with people. You could do that, right? But it's gonna take you a very, 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 very long time. But it's a lot easier to be able to create a compelling offer than a convincing argument. And if you're not sure how to build a compelling offer, you have to skill up, you have to get coaching, you have to understand what good looks like. Everyone you want is in front of you, right? They're there. It's just that you're messaging your offer, they just don't care about at the moment. And if you can tweak those, all of a sudden they start to come to surface and start buying from you. And that's a really, really nice place to, to operate from. Number 14 is thinking that selling cheap stuff 
courses, eBooks, et cetera, is gonna help you achieve your dream. It might, but at what cost? So as an example, my brother is the CEO for a supplement company that do 15 million in revenue as of last year, and their profit at the end of the year was 150,000 EBITDA. So before they paid the government tax, they were making $150,000 profit on $15 million revenue. Why? What's the point of that? Why, 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 why even get up in the morning? And this is an example of what happens when you sell a lot of cheap stuff, right? So in that case, there's supplements, you know, uh, lifetime value might be a few hundred bucks. If you're selling eBooks and low price courses, it's very, very hard. It's harder than ever to make that work. Back in the day when I started online, I was selling eBooks for $47, $67, it was decent. Now, you can't do that. Um, it's very hard to make that work. And I'll talk about why that is in the next two mistakes. But selling cheap is not getting you anywhere anytime soon. That I can promise you. And I would challenge you to put a zero behind whatever it is you're charging. And if you don't think that's going to work for you, or if you don't want to do that because you want to sit back and make passive income selling courses, good luck with that. You need to be the world's best operator to make that work. Number 15 is jumping into the latest trends instead of mastering one thing. The hard part about building an online business is that there's so many distractions, right? There's ads all the time. There's all sorts of different things that are coming at you. Facebook groups, this, AI, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you think you have to jump on everything. You don't. You have to be able to do one thing and put your blinders on. It doesn't matter what it is you do. I don't care if you do YouTube, TikTok, Facebook ads, perfect client pipeline, affiliates, what, like do one thing and master that one thing. Because while everyone else is jumping all over the place, you're like, no, I'm focused. I know exactly what I'm doing because the key to success is time under the bar. The more time you put on one thing, the greater the likelihood you will succeed in that one thing, regardless of what it is. But as soon as you start doing a bunch of different stuff, you've now split your time, split your focus, split your energy, and you will get split results. Okay. 16 is being too stubborn to evolve. 1955, the Fortune 500 companies that existed back then, 88% of them no longer exist. That means that 12% of the world's biggest 500 companies in 1955 have made it. So 88% of them went bankrupt, they were acquired, or they just, you know, disappeared. Why does that happen? Well, in, in large part, it's because they fail to evolve and adapt, right? Look at what happened to Blockbuster when Netflix came in. Netflix actually went to Blockbuster and said, hey, can you buy us? And Blockbuster was like, how much? And they're like, 50 million. They laughed them out of the room. Who's laughing now? And this is one of the biggest dangers that can affect all of us because we get too stubborn and we think that our way is the only way until the end of time. So I just talked about how it's important to really master one thing, but you also have to be aware of when that one thing might no longer be working to the same extent. So obviously, as you know, we help practitioners and coaches build their coaching businesses online. And we've been doing so for the past six, seven years, even before COVID lockdowns hit. And when COVID happens, our business took off even more so at a faster rate because everyone now is locked down. They had to come online. And what COVID did for virtual practice for a coach business is it accelerated the acceptance of that in the marketplace, both for the consumer and for the practitioner, because now it's more adopted than it was three or four years ago. Very much like online dating back in the 1990s. It was super like, there's no way I can meet my, like, this is, this is a scam. How are you supposed to meet someone on online? It is now the number one way people meet their spouse, not just the fling, their spouse. Okay. 20 year adoption with virtual practice, telemedicine, coaching online, that adoption has accelerated as a result of COVID. So if you are a brick and mortar practitioner, I'm not saying that your brick and mortar is never gonna work. Obviously it can work, but in terms of creating the lifestyle that you want and being able to have time and location freedom, if you don't have an online presence, you will always be chained to the clinic. And if there was ever a great time to be online, it's now. The adoption has gone through the roof, 38 fold according to McKinsey, which is one of the largest consulting firms in the world since 
2021, 38 fold increase in the demand for telehealth and virtual care since 2021. $14.6 billion invested in digital healthcare in 2020, okay? In 2017, by comparison, it was just over $6 billion. That's almost a threefold increase in the space of three years. Everything is moving online. Now, it doesn't mean you can't do stuff offline, but it means that you have to be aware of how you can evolve because if you don't evolve, you will become a dinosaur. Now, final mistake to building a successful business online is not saying no to almost everything. And this is challenging, okay? Because when you're starting off, you generally say yes to everything. You want more opportunities, you wanna be on podcasts, you wanna be in summits, you wanna do all sorts of stuff, but you will hit a point in your business where the opportunities are simply overwhelming and at best are a distraction from your vision. So being very clear about your vision and being able to say no to almost everything that takes you off that path is one of the most important things you can do. And I think, again, from my experience, I've seen just so many people get distracted because number one, they're not clear about their vision or it's not happening fast enough. So they're just jumping ship and they're saying yes to this, yes to this, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll have this program, I'll do you know, all sorts of stuff because they are not clear, focused and moving in one direction. So those are 17 of the biggest online marketing mistakes I have seen in my journey over the past 17 years. 17 years, 17 mistakes. I just realized that that goes well together. Um, if you've enjoyed this, subscribe to the channel. Got lots of other stuff to support you and your business, and I'll see you there. If you've enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the Healthpreneur Show podcast. And while you're there, I'd really appreciate it if you left a five-star rating or review if you feel it merited that. At the same time, if you'd like to connect with me, the best place to do so is on Instagram. You can find me. I am at healthpreneur. And be sure to tune in and subscribe to our YouTube channel on YouTube. Just search healthpreneur and you'll find all of our great videos there as well. That's all for today. I appreciate your time and your attention. Keep doing the meaningful work that you are doing. And I look forward to seeing you in the next episode.